0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network.
1: Welcome everyone to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. Today I have the distinct honor of having uh, a shop owner and a friend. His name is Seth Thorson. He is the owner now of a multi-shop operation, Eurotech, here in Minnesota, Unfortunately Seth I don't get to have you on under the best of circumstances. I wish it was I wish it was different, but uh I don't know about you. Uh I was a little surprised at the news that uh Steve Brotherton had passed away.
0: That was a sad news. I I unfortunately wasn't shocked his health has not been good the last few years, so that's why you haven't seen him online some and tough getting around but i mean he's he's been around he was at not this beamers but the last beamers he was at out there and out and you could see him running around some and i know i'd sent him your phone number at one point so
1: i'm gonna really miss the guy and i'll get into that a little bit more uh, as i'm sure you will let me first thank our sponsor napa auto tech training napa auto tech offers three hour virtual technical classes that can be accessed from the comfort of your home to find out what courses are available Go to NapaAutoTech.com and click on the Napa Autotech class calendar link. My introduction to Steve Brotherton was like, I think, many people, uh, especially those probably over the age of, man, I don't know, 35, maybe 30, uh, was IATN, the shop management forum, probably the technical discussion forum, and maybe maybe shop equipment to a degree. And then he was, he was in IATN chat a fair bit. So that was my introduction.
0: Yeah, I met him on IETN too, pretty much after I left the dealer and he kind of sucked me into the, the Beamers organization and kind of encouraged me to keep growing and um like most people i'm sure you know i kind of take some of my fight against the uh, aftermarket scan tools from steve you know that's that was well ingrained into me from steve so my disdain for a lot of the aftermarket tools and oe is in large part because of some of his influence and and what the influence he had on me you know i distinctly remember my first time teaching a class from those that no, don't know i mean obviously i teach a ton of training or used to not as much anymore send justin around now but When I taught my first class, he was front and center in the front row at Beamers, and I'm teaching a BMW class in a BMW-only group. That was interesting because he always puts the instructor on grill when when he was in his prime. So that was a very, very, very interesting and intimidating class for my first one.
1: Well, you must have did really, really well because... He was kind of, I think, the accepted expert on ITN for many, if not most, of the European car lines. But there is a very specific post, I recall, somebody asking him about BMWs, and he mentioned you specifically as being the guy he either refers to or looks up to when it comes to BMW. Unfortunately, for those that you don't know, that is a big, big, big compliment. Yeah. I
0: mean, he was probably one of the most humble people out there. I mean, he could be tough. He would chastise you for not knowing what you're supposed to know, but then he would spend his time helping you to figure it out. You know, some of his articles on Mercedes Canbus are still flowing around the internet. You go start looking 2004, 2005, there's still some great training and, and great reading that he wrote and obviously had a huge influence on me and, and able to help me through my career and just be a resource as I stepped in the shop ownership. Obviously, he retired a few years ago um, from owning his shop. Even the shop management forum, right? I met him on the technical forum, but as I stepped in the shop management, I saw him a lot on the shop management forum, right? Giving advice and help and, and different things like that. Um, obviously a huge part of Beamers, the, the BMW organization's hurting a little bit with with his passing and there's there's lots of messages there. I mean, I just did a quick search through my email. I mean, I have emails going back to 2004, 2003 with Steve. So I just have treasure trove of of emails back and forth.
1: I probably visited with him a bit on IAT and chat. I think the first time I met him face to face was probably around 2007, maybe eight, in Las Vegas at Cars, and a Cars was the like the flagship event for uh, ASA National, and I saw him, and I didn't want to bother him, and of course, as starstruck as one can reasonably be when you see someone that's kind of got a known name within. The profession, And I just didn't want to bother him, but I just kind of wanted to run over, shake his hand and just thank him emphatically for all the stuff I got to learn from him, reading his posts, reading his responses to posts, reading what he would say and, you know, interactions with him on chat. And I was blown away, absolutely blown away that he talked to me for the better part of a half hour. It was so pleasant. And I'm a nobody. I still am. But I've back then, I was nobody. And I got a half an hour of his time. I got his phone number. Please call anytime. I I just left. I don't know if my feet were touching the ground. You know what I mean? Just like so mind blown. And that, that set like a precedent for me about how to behave a little bit. Because he could have been just like, yeah, oh, yeah, see you around. <laughs> and that's what I would have expected. And I would have been ecstatic and left with so much more yeah
0: he's got that personality i mean you know bigger than life and when he was in a room obviously you know immediate respect from people and you know i don't think he saw it as much as everybody else because that's who he is and you know i would say the same for you matt that you know there's a lot of people that are stress struck when you walk in a room and want to talk to you and you know haven't met you and i hear it from people that oh yeah you know matt yeah yeah call him like he'll answer the phone and but i think we underplay Sometimes the, the importance of or the how we impress the industry and we don't even think about it because generally him, you, we're doing what we're here to do. We enjoy what we do. It's more natural than it appears, but I you know, I would say you have the same effect on people.
1: I doubt it. I mean otherwise they finally meet me and go, That guy fixes cars? <laughs> I get to spend really the better part of a week with him. Uh Harvey Chan. Kind of a long list of uh, people. Mac Vanderbrink up at Albin Moore and his wife, uh cabin. Or not cabin, it's their home, but their ho- home is a very nice cabin-esque uh, building home. Better part of a week with them. Man, I just couldn't wait. Couldn't wait to wake up and listen to him talk. So much information in his head and such a clear way of thinking. Whether it was on a car, whether we're talking about diagnosing a car, fixing a car or the the business side of things. I don't even want to say marketing, but he was a very, very big proponent of um, capability, establishing capability. And as clients found out that you were capable over and over again, that you won, not just the work that, you know, you might have cornered like the harder, you know, electronic diagnostic type stuff where you had the proper equipment, you know, as he would have factory scan tools for these, car line. So I guess not to get you know long winded here. He owned or co-owned a shop in Gainesville, Florida, where I think they worked on
0: pretty much German.
1: Yeah. Seven or nine car lines.
0: Yeah. Continental imports.
1: And it was like all the heavy hitter European car lines. And then I think like Lexus and maybe Acura.
0: Yeah. And I think he started to drop some of that towards the end, but I'm not sure what they currently work on there. But yeah, I mean, he was a big proponent of having the factory tool enabled you to build it have the privilege of doing the brakes and the easy work like he wasn't a take the good stuff and then ship the hard stuff away having the right equipment to make sure you could totally solve the car enabled you to get the maintenance and and that left a big impression on me and it, it's been a pretty good staple in my conversations and you know i'm sure you know over the years i've had many of those um tiffs as steve has had over the years right where i disagreed with people and say why are you taking this without having the equipment if you get in trouble? You know, I learned a lot of that from Steve and, and it it served me well in, in growing my business. And there's impressions that he might not even know he made. And, and maybe I don't know why I make on people too. But I followed a lot of that legacy of, you know, screaming about the OE tool to make sure that you are prepared to work on the car, even if it is the brake job. And I know you've run into me with that <laughs> consensus a few times.
1: Steve, I think, very much affected my approach to pressuring ownership to get certain pieces of equipment. And if they wouldn't, to get to the point where I would go get it because of that philosophy of because I could do back then, probably the programming was the big thing. If I could do the programming and maybe learn new keys, because the options otherwise were quite a distance away. Now I've established myself as being able to service these car lines that are not easily serviced in our area, you know, around the Red Wing area. We then got the gravy, if you will. They weren't they weren't going elsewhere. It's like, oh, I found the shop that can service my vehicle. The other shops kind of get me static. They kind of s- sneer when I walk in because they don't want to work on my car. That affected me greatly with choices to do. <laughs> in your case, it's almost like seeing how long I could get away with something. Until I couldn't. <laughs> and, then, and then I got an earful, deservedly so.
0: That's the heritage of Steve to some degree. He would give you an earful, but he would help you. I'd kind of do the same thing. i give people an earful, but I'll ultimately help them. But there, there's a lot of DNA that came from a lot of conversations with him and text messages and, and phone calls over the years.
1: And then you go get the real tool and all of a sudden you just don't really have those problems anymore. It's amazing how that works. <laughs> In this case, the OE tool wasn't really all that expensive. No, no, it wasn't.
0: It's cheaper than the, than the screwed up module.
1: It was. <laughs> Luckily, that got resuscitated, but yeah. Yeah,
0: that's his DNA. I mean, and that was all over ITN, And I remember this was the, you know, I'm kind of lucky, right? This was the dawn of the internet. You know, I got on the ITN 99 when I graduated high school, my high school teacher said hey there's this place and I got on in and didn't really do much but then when I left the BMW dealer and jumped on and you know I was still 23 24 years old and I was in all the chats all night long with Harvey and and Steve and all those guys and you know I was I was the young one you know because I was in all these you know Scott Brown and all those guys were in the chats and and they all they all accepted me there's obviously it was not the uh It was not the softer world that today is. There was a lot more harsh words back then on IATN. And, you know, some of these people get super offended on the Facebook groups as it is. And I can't even imagine if they had to pile into the old world, IATN. Oh, my word. Would they be hurt?
1: John Luttenberger and Tim Lena. And they could be rather, (laughs) rather sharp. Ragsdale, I suppose. Randy Burnclaw on a given night uh, could give it to you pretty good.
0: Bob Clark would go after stuff. (laughs) Him and Steve would go way back to forth on the industry about the right to repair him and Bob would go, go at it pretty good. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I was super lucky that, you know, he ended up taking a liking to me and we spent a bunch of time talking and man, I was young and, you know, hot-headed, younger. And some of these people would come after me right as a young tech and he would not let them have it. If it was a BMW, or it was something else, he might let me go a little bit, but he, you know, he, w- he was really good at, at all those things and just, you know, just an amazing mentor, an amazing human that would always have time for you.
1: Yeah, that was the amazing thing. Get you in touch with the people you needed to get in touch with to get... Yeah, I guess I'm thinking more like tooling from a tooling perspective. It was the BMW tool before 3G Isis.
0: Oh, the GT1?
1: Yeah, okay. The GT1 was... At that time, and I suppose even by today's standards, yeah, it was absurdly priced. It was a lot of money. But he would put you in touch with the people you needed to be in touch with to get the tool, and the ops head uh, was important. And then for a while there, there was a tool like called the PC Retriever that did a relatively good job.
0: It did a decent job. That, that was the first one to use the J2534 protocol that BMW passed. Back in the day, it was Central Letter Shop is where you got the GT1 and SSS. Which was a, so you had to buy the GT1, which was the tablet. SSS was a desktop unit that ran the programming software. Um, Before that, it was the Modic. And then obviously they had the the Dis Plus, which was the big tool with the scope wires and hanging. And, you know, it was a precursor to all these diagnostic carts that BMW engineered a long time ago that had the boom with all the leads. And, you know, it was none of that's new. It's all been done.
1: I remember him giving it to, we won't name names, but. Uh, a shop owner, Eurocar line, and he specialized in one one of those, but held off on getting the factory tool because, to be honest, at the time, the uh, aftermarket tool was quite capable. But this was like the dawn, really the dawn of uh, guided fault finding. And if I recall, he was struggling with a convertible top not working. And Steve is just giving it to him. One, this is the only car line you work on. And you don't have this factory tool, which wasn't too terribly priced. And it was still a, a tablet, touchscreen tablet uh, at the time. And in it, the guided fault finding section, section was particularly strong.
0: For the convertible tops, it tells you every switch open, closed with pictures of the top in every segment. It's, it's incredible for that issue.
1: So the, the shop owner finally gets the tool. It couldn't have been a week later. It couldn't have been a week later. He is on ITN going, I don't know why I put this off for so long. This is so great. Beyond just the convertible top stuff, there was other things that he had been missing out on for years. Steve could have just rubbed his nose in it or his face in it, but he didn't. It was just kind of like, now you know why I pushed this stuff.
0: Steve's famous words um, that always impreg- impressed on me, and, and obviously I still, I still use a version of it, right, is, I'm not speaking harshly to you. I'm speaking so the greater group can hear what I have to say. That was his big thing, and, and I still do it. Like You've seen me on, on some of the tech forums. It's, I'm, I'm not really calling you out, but I'm speaking so everybody else hears it. I'm sorry you're the example in this case, but everybody needs to hear this because there's a greater good and there's a greater knowledge of understanding of it. That was one of his favorite things is, I'm not attacking you. You just happen to be the example of this. Therefore, I'm speaking to everybody on ITN or speaking to everybody on Beamers or whatever the platform is. You just happen to be in the way of what I have to say.
1: You are so right. I remember that. That's a big memory flood there. Thanks.
0: Because people would get mad at them. I know people been mad at me You know, with the OE stuff, but That's kind of the thing is we're preaching to the greater people looking, you know, just like nowadays when you respond to a Google review, what's everybody tell you? You're not responding to the reviewer, you're responding to everybody else. It's the same principle.
1: For 98 years, the Napa name has meant quality parts and service. It also reflects top quality training programs to help you build a more successful vehicle repair business. No doubt the technician shortage is impacting everyone, but you're not facing this battle alone. Napa has the solution by making Napa Auto Tech training available near you. Napa AutoTech provides automotive aftermarket technicians career development opportunities through structured, disciplined, measured, and high quality technical instruction, no matter the technician or service advisor skill level. This instruction enhances understanding of vehicle systems, increases first-time repair capability, and overall customer satisfaction. This instruction enhances understanding of vehicle systems, increases first-time repair capability, and overall customer satisfaction. It also prepares technicians to become ASE certified. It's a fact technicians who receive training to improve their knowledge and skills have a higher sense of job satisfaction. This reduces technician turnover and increases productivity, directly improving a shop's profitability. It is vital to the success of a shop's business that today's technicians are equipped to diagnose and repair today's complex vehicles. With our ever-changing technology, the technicians' knowledge and skills need to be updated and refreshed on a regular basis. As you labor over the decision of whether to send your techs to get their skills sharpened, keep in mind, NAPA Auto Tech Training is an investment, not an expense, and it's available to all. Much of Napa Autotech's training is offered in more than one format to accommodate varieties of learning styles and training preferences so each person can maximize their learning. Whether you're more of a hands-on person or enjoy learning at your own pace, Napa Autotech is here to provide you with the training you need and the format that works best for you. To learn more about what Napa Autotech offers, contact NapaAutotech.com. I forgot to say, though, that the, um, the camp out at Elbens. albin lives in i think it's technically Dryden, washington but it's near leavenworth steve and his wife would drive from florida all the way there and he had a red bmw and i don't want to i really don't want to guess what year it was um but they loved that drive <laughs> so he's i don't know why but that's a haul and you drive there and back
0: yeah i remember one on itn with a I think it was a Volkswagen or no, it was a Audi TT convertible top issue. And the guy's trying VCDS and me and Steve, like you need Otis, you need Otis. He's like, no, VCDS does everything and go back and forth, back and forth. So I took a picture of the next car I had in the shop. Otis has a guided test plan that actually reinitializes and does something that nothing else does and relearns and all of a sudden it works. And the guy finally took it to somebody else's shop that had Otis and it worked. And it's just, you know, it's further proof of you don't know what you're missing and you don't know the challenges you're faced with when you don't have the right information. Now, if you have a factory tool and it's not working, you pick up an aftermarket tool, great. You know, that was his point all the time was if you have the factory as a backup and you don't use or use it and it doesn't do what you need and you go to something else, so be it. But if you don't know what you're missing, how do you know? And then what if the tool had a guided test plan that took 10 minutes to solve? You had four hours in the car. Are you legitimately going to bill that customer four hours? And there's guys that'll say, well, yeah, because that's just what it is. Well, you were ill-prepared. It's like going to a doctor and saying, well, you know, I don't really have an MRI machine, so I'm just going to feel around and I'll bill you for the seven hours of needling around until I figured out what was wrong. An MRI machine could have told you in 30 seconds.
1: Exactly right. I mean, he had aftermarket tools. They had specific purposes. for At least for a while, it was like for test drives that the OE tools for drivability a lot of times were a lot less, a lot more cumbersome and didn't a lot of times didn't give you the data stream in the way an aftermarket tool might. But when it came down to brass tacks, he had the OE tool there every time. Yeah. I remember him talking about uh, the SDS. I think it was a compact three or compact four. That was his favorite for uh Mercedes just before Uh, I think real before Zentry, I don't remember there being anything between SDS and Zentry.
0: Not really. It's just kind of evolved. That's one of the few factory tools that just kind of kept evolving. Yeah. I mean, he was very active in the fight against BMW when they locked us out with the OSS committee. I mean, we have access to some of the things we have as technicians today because of his and, and docs and, and Don Fields and a bunch of those guys work. And, you know, eventually led to nastaff and and a whole bunch of things that that really have the things we have today that he was more a proponent of let's not legislate this because we don't know what's coming. Let's get the auto manufacturers on voluntary and and really work with them and And that was his big argument of if we if we legislate things, we don't we're gonna write it to a T that's right now, but that's not what's ten years down the road. And now they don't have to give us those things. And so his big thing was voluntary access and fighting them and saying no. Once you give this an advocate to work with them,
1: yeah, I was going to ask about that. And then was that part of Beamers when it started up?
0: That was part of Beamers, and, and and it was some. It was called something before Beamers, but there's a whole long backstory of Beamers. But yes, that was a big part of it. And obviously, I joined Beamers after some of this stuff, but you know, obviously heard from Steve and, and a bunch of others, the, the whole heritage of how that came about and, and them really going the bat with, with BMW for access. And and the, the linchpin was, you know, he had to give emission information and somebody figured out, it was Steve and Doc, I think, figured out, I'm not sure the whole story, so I want to be, I don't, I don't want to say it as 100% fact, but basically the, the instrument cluster is part of emissions, and, and everybody agreed. And once they proved that the check engine light was part of emissions, everybody knew the cluster was the gateway and the BMWs. Once they got access to information on the cluster, the whole car became unlocked. And that really opened up all the aftermarket tools, and then it opened up the OE and, and, and really kind of said, okay, we can't stop this.
1: Yeah, the other thing that occurs to me is that he, early on, years and years ago, was big on specializing. Specializing was where you really develop value, whatever the discipline was, but really in our world, specialize, specialize, specialize. Like that was his big thing to me early on. Kid at a uh, independent shop kind of happened to do a little bit of everything and just impressing upon me, specialize, 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 whether it's in one or two car lines uh, or in a area of, Uh, or segment of repair. And I chose the latter. You know, I think it's paid dividends. I think others are following suit because that's just the way it's got to be. The cars are getting to the point where it's hard to know everything about everything.
0: He was a big advocate in it. And I, you know, I, I hope I see the industry turn more towards it, but I think a lot of people still try to be a little more generalist than than they should. And maybe we end up with specialty areas and everybody else is a generalist. But I don't think they're going to want to take the the pay cut that comes with that to <laughs> to be the generalist and the and let the specialists increase the prices to to do the specialist work. I I don't think that's going to come to fruition. But um, specialty is is definitely where it's at. And he was a huge proponent of of it. And you know, it trickled down the things I did in business. Like you know, we decided that we're going to start working on Lamborghinis. So, what's the process to do that? Well, we buy a car to do some testing on. We buy the right tools. We do a ton of testing and data, and then we announce it to the public that we are ready to work on the car. We don't just take the cars in and try to learn on them and say, well, the car's a car's a car and we're going to learn on them. And that was very much impressed on on me from him of all the years of knowing him. It's like, you are the expert. You are the the specialist. If you're going to take something new in, you better be there's a cost. How much is it going to cost you to get in that market? And you better have tools, training, and knowledge. And then you open up that that expertise.
1: Yeah, and especially in something like that, most likely you immediately own the market. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's something I would do not or, or have done, not so much on the exotic ends, but just the car lines that are not necessarily well represented in our area. Get the tooling and, and training and such.
0: Even if you're working on Ford and Chevy. You wanna work on Ford and Chevy, you wanna add Chrysler. Realistically, his ideal was professionalism of of really knowing what you're working on. And I think it's getting harder and harder.
1: The complexity just continues to accelerate and becomes even more and more integrated.
0: Tesla's going the 48 volt, 12 volt system with PoE type internet IP addressing every modules, like full architecture, computer network architecture. So, I mean, there's some, there's some curves some changes coming for people
1: like i just don't ever remember him being behind the curve just had his finger on the pulse the whole time i think even after he kind of sold sold out and stuck around as a consultant he was still on top of so much stuff
0: he was still very much on top of it very much going to classes very much educating himself and teaching others and you know he was a lifelong learner and really engaged in that lifelong learning and something that everybody should take away like he never stopped learning and wanting to grow and, and know even after he sold the shop. He could have done what so many people do and walk away and said, oh, I'm done with this technology. But he kept learning and growing and learning new things and educating and teaching himself and, you know, kept being the expert on those things.
1: Yeah, it's just crazy to think a world without Steve Brotherton.
0: Yeah, and, then, you know, I mean, and hopefully this shows a whole different generation of techs that, You know, there are a lot of people that walk these paths before you and and they're going to people walk in your shoes. But there's there's been paths laid that I don't want to say some of these new generation doesn't even understand. But there's there's people that don't even know what ITN is anymore. Right. Obviously, Harvey and, you know, some of those guys that, you know, had big parts in everybody's lives that good or bad, some of the younger techs don't recognize even.
1: I mean, to me, it's kind of bad. Of course, there's the historical part of it. But I think just recognizing certain individuals, and I I think there's a a fair number of them, what they did to affect so many so positively. And then, you know, Steve just went that one notch higher with the stuff dealing with a manufacturer and maybe the government to at least a little degree that led to a lot of the, like you just said, like a lot of the things we may take for granted of having the ability to do, he had a part of getting us that type of or maybe not even getting assuring us that kind of access It kind of sucks to think about people don't know
0: there's no central database right for automotive there's no automotive technician hall of fame or trainer hall of fame they can go read about how this industry is right we're kind of all <laughs> immersed in the what we do every single day we don't have the the history data really
1: yeah. And the information's just there or the ability just there with you don't really question why uh, or how. Yeah. I mean, when I started with ITN, right, it was still
0: dial up minutes that you bought. How many minutes with AOL and the, at the grocery store checkout line? You know, that's how we connected the ITN back in the day. And, I, you know, I don't remember when you first started showing up there, but, you know, it was it was still pretty early.
1: Yeah, it was still dial up. ITN chat specifically was dominated by just brilliance. The forums, for the most part, it was pretty rare that you just had somebody logging in and going, you know, I got this 93 Chevy that doesn't start. What do you think could be wrong? What should I check first? That just really didn't happen that much because the people seeking it out were already of a certain level. You know, they're really seeking out others that were super passionate about, you know, fixing cars and um, building successful shops so they they were already of of a certain pedigree i guess if you will and they weren't necessarily looking for the bullets um that was maybe more so the um what did they call that wouldn't wouldn't be the forums it was like the iatn help request that might be more of the you know what what do you think could be wrong with this car you didn't see it so much in the forums
0: you didn't have facebook you didn't have youtube you didn't have so many other ways that to connect with people that you really forged online there. And there wasn't, you know, there wasn't vision get-togethers. There wasn't a whole lot of things. And so you really kind of forged that and, and started calling people and getting to know people. And obviously it's an interesting evolution for me. And, and like I said, it's it's, you know, Steve laid a lot of groundwork for some of this, but I mean, I started on that stuff when I was young. You know, I've kind of blessed to be, around this for a long time. And, you know, I'm still 40, 40, years old, but it seems like I've been around a lot longer than a half. Cause it, you know, was one of those got in at the right time type of deals and got in with the right people and made the right connections that were willing to, to take me of their wing and say, okay, well, <laughs> we'll help you out here so you don't flounder and die.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I don't really wish myself older, but I am a little bit jealous of the guys like, you know, Steve, Thornton mana, where they were in it as carburetors were kind of going away and really the dawn of electronic ignition feedback carburation they were there at the cusp and then to now I mean I just feel like in some ways they've got uh, an interesting advantage that I don't uh, or I've had to work to overcome there might be a lesson in there sometimes in that the old guard the reason they. Either interpret things a certain way or understand things on a level you don't is because of the, what they understood leading up to it.
0: There was a lot of articles written. I, you know, I read as a young tech before I even met Steve and I ten. I read a ton of articles. Right. I used to sit in the lunchroom and read articles. That was how you consumed any kind of information. Was was reading the articles.
1: Right. It yeah, wasn't he in like import import service.
0: Import car. I posted, so if you go to my personal Facebook, I posted a couple links to some of his older 2004 articles, but he had articles going back well before that, that, that I was reading. I couldn't find some of the older ones, but those articles, I mean, that was how we learned back then, right? You sat down at lunch and you read articles because that was all we really had for for training you go oh my gosh this guy's a br- brilliant like how does he figure all this out and cis and and all these things that you're in about going oh boy you know and then you meet him and talk to him and takes you under your wing and shows you how to do things it's just it's amazing what what can happen and you know for Better or worse, I don't know that that happens as much anymore. With how easy it is to consume media and jump from thing to thing to thing, and and talk to people in a chat group, and you know it's so fragmented that everybody's not here in one one big place. And I, you know, I don't know if it's better or worse, but it, it's certainly different.
1: Different, harder to keep track of who developed what. You know, if Steve wrote it, it's there with the credit ready to go. Now it's so easy to hit a class and reproduce something in your shop, video it, throw it up on social media or YouTube and get a whole bunch of likes or, um, follows or whatever. or uh, back then it really wasn't, it wouldn't have had the sheer number of, uh, numbers consuming it, but the ones consuming it would have been very specific, specialized even. So yeah, that's, that's completely different.
0: The amazing part about him is he adapted to all of it, right? he, jumped on facebook he was on the email threads on beamers i mean he was just always learning always adapting and nothing got too big for him that i ever saw that he just said well i'll figure this out or adapt to this technology or you know what i mean
1: yeah it was never like saw some new technology and went yeah i'm glad i'm getting out like that would never happened
0: no i i talked to him last year a little bit and obviously with some health issues harder and harder but we would talk on the phone periodically and never got into the ev stuff but i imagine had he even got into that that one in a phase to me he said let's go you know that's just who he was and how he was there was just nothing that said that's what's gonna that's what's gonna drive me out and you know i did a podcast with carm years ago and he asked me some question and i said um i think there's a quote running around of it right that comes part from steve of you know we're in the Business of fixing people's personal transportation, I think I said something along the line of, I don't care if it's a hovercraft, right? What we do is we fix people's personal transportation, and, and that's something that, you know, he impressed on, too, is it, it doesn't matter what they throw out. Our business is fixing their transportation, figure out how to fix it. It may not be the same vehicle that it was back then. It may not be the same vehicle in 20 years from now, but people always need some way to personally get around and I don't think that's ever going to change just as ingrained in humans. we are, you go back to nomadic humans and, and there's just a lot of there's a lot of things that you th- people say can change. But I don't think you're going to change certain parts of of what's ingrained into us as human beings. And I, I really don't think you're ever going to get that part of us out of there's some amazing people. And I'm happy that you're doing this and had me on and that we can put a little piece of this out there for for those to live on with some of these memories.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I hope it drives people to kind of seek him out, seek out his articles. And maybe, you know, if you're a member of IATN or, you know, even taking a short-term subscription to uh, go search uh, his posts and his responses. And it's all applicable to today. It's all applicable. His philosophy, I just find as close to bulletproof as any I've ever heard that capability can be a foundation for a very successful business and specializing picking, you know, whatever that may be, right? Car lines or service segments, stuff like that. Just there's fewer, truer words and advice ever spoken. Uh, And he did it for decades, (laughs) Like not only said it, but did it. Yeah.
0: He, he not only talked about it, he actually accomplished it and, and he accomplished it. Let's be honest, uh, Gainesville is in the middle and I don't want to say middle of nowhere, right? I mean, some, somebody's going to get mad at me for saying that because there's some really <laughs> rabid football and basketball fans that live there, <laughs> but somebody's going to get mad at me, but Gainesville is a college town. It's not a hotbed. It's not a large metropolitan area, and he specialized and did numbers that would eclipse and amaze current shop owners, and you hear all the time, well, my market's too small, but yet he did it before anybody else could in a very small market. It's a, you know, college town. You know, the population there is not big for what he accomplished. One point, I mean, he was over 2-3 million dollars and just amazing, right? For 100, you know, 140,000 people that live in Gainesville. I mean, every time somebody say you can't specialize, man, he's a case study to say, uh, excuse me?
1: And granted it's arguably different than than it was now or is now but um just that like the health insurance stuff where what the programs they had at his shop he really when he started comparing it to some of the other costs of doing business it just didn't really phase him like you just do it and and again charging uh fairly for what you're doing but again backing it up with the, the capability and doing it right and knowing what you're doing and Yeah, it just sets so many precedents of stuff that I've been really trying to follow as best I can.
0: Believe it or not, Matt, let me find it here. One of the last text messages, because we talked on the phone some, but one of the last text messages I had to him, well, one was happy birthday, but one of the other messages we had to him was asking if I could give you his cell phone number, because you must have lost touch with him.
1: Oh, man. (laughs) Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a text message where it's
0: like, hey, can I give Fanslow your, your cell phone number again? You know, because I try not to give out people's numbers unless I have permission. It's just kind of something that's been ingrained in me. So I think one of the messages I have is, hey, can I give cell phone number out to Matt? Yeah. June 4th, 2021. Matt Fanslow, you met a seminar wanting to set up a phone call. May I give him your cell phone number. Um, just like me, your IATN post created effects on him. And that was the exact message I sent to him June 4th in 2021. You know, the same thing we talked about, that his post on IATN created effects on, on so many people and affected the industry in, in ways that, you know, hopefully people now realize that they may not even know him.
1: I I mean, I'm just so glad you worded it that way, phrased it that way, because that's exactly what I would have made sure I said, that I would want him to know, how big of an effect he did have on me both just reading his posts and then of course getting a chance to meet him and hang out with him honestly in washington there's nothing to do there you're, you're sitting around the campfire that's that's what there is to do
0: you know i i forget where we were talking in june it was something we were at and, and it's a conversation me and you had and you know so i tried to put in those those exact words but the things we're reminiscing about tonight about him are a lot of things that, you know, me and you have had conversations about over the years and, and things like that. And just, you know, that's why I put an email that way. It's just he had an effect on me, had an effect on you. And there's, there's thousands of others I'm sure he has.
1: That might be an almost perfect way to cap this off.
0: Yeah, it ties the whole story together. It ties all three of us back together, right?
1: I am ecstatic how you could join me tonight on extremely short notice.
0: No, I was happy to do it. So um, obviously I put a couple things off, but you know, I told my, I have church tonight usually. And I told my church group, I can make it uh, shortly after this. And they obviously understand and prayers and thoughts for, for Lynn, who's Steve's surviving wife there. And, and the shop there is obviously heavy on our minds tonight, but Still important to, to remember people and, and, you know, share the good times and what they meant. And, you know, obviously, as we get funeral details, I, you know, I hope to make it down there. so
1: Well, thank you again, sir. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, seriously, if you can look him up, look up anything you can find about Steve Brotherton because he's uh, not just a class act, but he has had such a powerful and positive effect on uh, all of us, whether you know he did or not. And now you should know he did. Uh, so, yeah, please, please invest a little bit of your time uh, looking into this. Thank you to Nap Auto Care for sponsoring. And thank you to the Aftermarket Radio Network for really making this all possible. So uh, until next time, please, everyone, take care. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow, diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app.
0: He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com.